Welcome to We Win Presents the Winner's Circle Podcast. Here at the Winner's Circle Podcast, we uplift, encourage, and inspire the mind, body, and spirit. Here at the Winner's Circle, the conversations are different. Thanks for tuning in to the Winner's Circle Podcast. What's up, winners? It's your girl here, Tab Manning, and I would like to welcome you back to We Win Presents the Winner's Circle podcast. Here at the Winner's Circle, we all know that the conversations are different. So, winners, I know you probably missed us last week. We did take a week off for the holiday, um, but we are back, and we are back in our series, the Our New Normal series, um, which is geared towards speaking with women who are on the front lines in one shape, form, or fashion of this pandemic, coronavirus, COVID-19, all of those things. So while many of us in the country are thinking that, you know, COVID-19 has went away, that it's gone, that we're tired of it and we're done and we're ready to get back to normal, um, it's still very much present. It's still very much happening. And so I hope that you all are still being, um, you know, smart and using wisdom about the decisions that you're making, um, your coming and goings, that you're still washing your hands, that you're not letting your guard down, that you're still wearing masks and being socially distant, um, and just making, you know, best the best practices, not just for yourself, but for your family and for others. And so with the Our New Normal series, um, as you, if you all have been following, then you will know that um, we have talked to everyone from um, people in the beauty industry who was affected, you know, financially. We've talked to school teachers who um, had to start distance uh, teaching to their students remotely, um, as well as teaching their own ch- children at home um, while still trying to run their entrepreneurship business. We also had a guest that talked about preparing for uncertainty, and we talked in detail about life insurance and how many of us, you know, were not prepared for the situations and circumstances that this pandemic brought and so how we could better prepare for our futures and for our families by investing in life insurance and other um, investments you know financially to make sure that the ones that come after us are well taken care of and so we took a slight break and you know got away from the our new normal series so that we could get into um, we had a special guest here that talked about Um, how she wasn't, I'm sorry, how she wasn't able to graduate this year. She was in the class of 2020 and how, you know, um, after all of the challenges of going through college and being able to get through those obstacles, um, not being able to walk across that stage to get her degree and the effects that that had on her. And then last week we had a guest that talked about um, overcoming obstacles and challenges Um, through therapy, um, being able to write as a source of therapy and healing and shared with us just, you know, some women's perspectives. And so it's been a pretty good first month for the Winter Circle podcast. I'm actually very pleased. Um, All of my guests have been delightful. They've been inspiring. They've been empowering. They've been impactful. And so the guest that I have today, I'm sure that she is going to do just the same um, as we are jumping back into our new normal series. I believe this is going to be episode four of that series. 
I have a frontline worker, I have a healthcare worker, I have someone that is on the front line sacrificing herself each and every day to fight this virus and to take care of all of those that she comes into contact with. Uh, her name is Courtney Lee, and she's going to tell you who she is and where she's from and what she does. Welcome, Courtney. Hey, thank you so much for having me. So I'll do a quick introduction. My name is Courtney Lee. I was a 2019 um, spring graduate from Tuskegee University. Um, I currently am based in Houston, Texas. I am an ER nurse. I'm originally from Houston, but my family relocated to South Carolina when I was around nine. And I we lived, so I did most of my growing up in Columbia, South Carolina, ventured on to Tuskegee, and I'm now back home in Houston. Wow, that's been quite the journey. <laughs> right. <laughs> so um, first, let me say once again, welcome and thank you so much for being on the show with us today. Um, I know that you are, um, that uh, Tuskegee is your alma mater, of course, because that's how I know you through my daughter, yes. Naye. Yes. Um, I didn't realize that you were um, actually a year ahead of Naye. I didn't know that. Yes. Um, but I remember you from Rave and I would always say to Naye, Oh my God, that girl is so pretty. I was like, oh, thank oh, you. <laughs> I just thought you were the prettiest girl. Um, I remember when Naye first joined Rave Modeling Troop, and I remember um, when she actually, you know, um, had her, I don't, I forgot what it's called, but when she had um, her coming out. Yes, thing. our coming out show. Mm-hmm. Yes. And um, you guys just did a knockout phenomenal job. And then I remember seeing you again um, when you all came here to Atlanta. For yes, yes. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. I just always thought you were just so pretty. Thank you. Thank you. And so just, you know, just you carried yourself very well. Like I didn't know you personally, but you know, you just observe people from a distance. And I was like, I like the way she carries herself. So that means a lot. Thank you. Absolutely. So I didn't realize that you were an ER nurse. Wow. That's yeah, I am. <laughs> so you are like more than you, you are definitely on the front line. Yes. Wow. Okay. And so South Carolina, huh? Um, it's funny because I have family that's from South Carolina. My father's family is from Anderson, South Carolina. Okay, yes. And you have an idea of what it's like. Oh, yeah. <laughs> it's definitely a, um, a speed change from Houston. Absolutely. It's funny because my guest that was on the show last week, my, my cousin, um, she grew up in Anderson, South Carolina her entire life. And she talked about how she had to get out of Anderson and see something different. Yes. Um, so she ended up leaving and going to Charlotte, and she absolutely loves Charlotte. Yeah, so, Charlotte's really nice. Yeah. So I've never been to Houston. Um, I definitely want to come and visit. I have a few a few people that live in Houston and some other areas of Texas, but I know Texas is so huge, so I need to figure out where they are. <laughs> right, right, where you're going to uh, visit, yeah. Exactly, because I, one might be about six, seven hours away, and exactly. I might be to get to them. <laughs> Yeah, but Houston's beautiful. I mean, I've seen pictures and, you know, like I've, I've seen, you know, friends and stuff that have visited there. So it's definitely on the list of places to visit. Yes. Yep. So, okay, let's jump right on into this. Um, so you are an ER nurse, class of 2019. Mm-hmm. What made you become a nurse? Like, what, what's your why? Why did you decide to become a nurse? I am very passionate about the African-American community and education. 
I always knew I wanted to work in the healthcare field. Honestly, since I was a little girl, I would say I wanted to be a pediatrician. However, when I was in high school, I got involved in this health science program and it allowed us to explore more than just being a doctor. I feel like when you're younger, you don't really know the ins and outs of the medical field. And there's a lot of jobs for far beyond nurses and doctors. And so I had the opportunity to um, shadow an ER, I shadowed a nurse and I fell in love. Like I love the pace, the excitement, you know, you get adrenaline rushes, you go to work, you never know what's gonna happen. Like every day is something new. And that, when I got that experience shadowing, I was like, yeah, this is exactly what I want. Okay, yeah, it's it's weird that you say that because when you think about it, when you're little, right, it's like to your point, it's doctors, nurses, you don't really know, you don't really know the all of the levels that are within the right, right. until you get older. Um, and so what level of nurse are you like RN? Yes, or- um, I'm a RN. I'm, I have my bachelor's of science in nursing. So I'm a RNBSN. And um, I've been a nurse for it'll be I graduated a year ago now, but I'll reach my one year of working July 1st. Wow, that's awesome. Well, congratulations in advance because that is just around the corner. Yes, thank you. <laughs> just around the corner. Okay, so um, let's see here. So you said that it was more so of wanting your passion for the African-American community. So the hospital that you work in, um, we don't, of course, we want to make sure that we are not, you know, going against any HIPAA violations or talking about anything specifically. Right. So I'll just say that the hospital that you work in, is it within an African-American community and, predominantly? And no, it isn't. Um, however, okay. so... I will say, especially coming from an HBCU, it's been a huge change of of pace um, and environment. Um, I've had to adjust to, you know, working around white people. I mean, there's really no other way to say it. Um, Sure. And my patient population is kind of like, uh, it's redneckish. They're Southern country. It's it's a Northern part of Houston. So I see a lot of... um, they're very redneckish, I will say, like country, okay. country people. But um, I do, I do get some black patients, and when I do get them, you know, I kind of tend to make sure I go the extra mile, make sure they're getting the education we get. But it's not like I don't do the same for my Caucasian patients. I just, I'm passionate about educating, and people have a fear of nurses and doctors because one, half the time they don't understand what's going on, and two, they're afraid they're going to get bad news. So I really like being able to know what I'm doing well enough so that when I'm educating and talking to my patients I'm able to break it down and so like my mother and my grandmother are all teachers and they all were like you're gonna be a teacher you're gonna be a teacher and as much as I'm always like no I'm not no I'm not it's crazy because on a daily basis I'm teaching it's just I was gonna say you're teaching yeah absolutely um you know because well for one thing so man you said so much there so first I'll say because since since we are since we're in it we're gonna go ahead and get and dive on it let's do it so um you said that most of your patients are predominantly Caucasian. Um, Do you feel like they are receptive to you? Um, Have you ever really experienced um, instances where they're not um, polite or respectful to you because of your color? Or like, what are you seeing on the front line? Yes, I have. Um, And like the first time it happens, it's heartbreaking because it's like, you know, you hear these things, but it hits different when you experience it yourself. I've had like older patients um, refuse. I had a lady one time, she refused to let me like draw her blood or anything. Um, Like I wasn't going to fight her. I'm like, okay, fine. I'll get someone else, you know? 
Um, and I've had patients refer to me as positions that are lower than mine. Like I've had a patient um, ask me, tell me, ask her the phlebotomist will know. And I had to correct him. I'm like, no, sir, I'm a nurse. I'm actually your wife's nurse and I will be taking care of her today. And he was like, well, you should still know the answer to the question. And it's like, yes, I will. But I want you to address me as the position I've worked hard to, you know, get. Absolutely. Right. Respect my time. Exactly. <laughs> yeah. So very interesting i've had and some patients they won't say anything but you can tell by how they how they act and how receptive they are to you and then to your co-workers who aren't black of course and i mean body language is everything right, right? so it speaks before you even open your mouth when you walk into a room i believe that you can almost kind of because i feel like i'm an empath so i can almost feel the energy in the room before anyone opens their mouth or say mm-hmm. anything i can just feel it and then you can also tell by the body language as to whether or not they are, you know, again, receptive to you or whether they, they don't trust you or they want to, you know, deal mm-hmm. with you or whatever. And so it's crazy that, you know, here we are in 2020, even still having to have these conversations to whereas you would refuse, you're coming to a hospital because apparently there's something wrong with you. Right, you're right. Sick, you're in need of help, but you will refuse an educated, um, someone that has their degree, that has their credentials, mm-hmm. Um, that knows and, and highly capable of what they're doing, but you will refuse them to help you right. because of the color exactly. skin in 2020. That is mind-blowing. Literally. It's mm-hmm. mind-blowing. <laughs> <laughs> and so to your point, it's like, okay, like, you know, I know the oath that I've taken, but I'm not going to force it. So, hey, I'll, you, you can sit here and, and wait for the for the Caucasian nurse to come in and see right. you. <laughs> and meanwhile, let me get to my other patients who need my help exactly. as well. Exactly, so. yes, exactly. Wow. And I guess the challenge on, on the other perspective is that we know a lot of times in, in our cases, like you said, the lack of knowledge, um, the lack of oftentimes most people, you know, of our color do not like to go to the doctor, do not like to go to mm-hmm. the hospitals, do not believe in doctors. Um, and so that's that's definitely challenging. And I think that especially the older ones, it's like they feel like when they come to the hospital, right, like they don't know who to trust right, or right. they feel like they're going to get bad right. news or to your point so it's like you know being able to have the, to calm them and to have them understand that you know hey I'm, I'm here to right. help you so um bedside manner of course has to be um you know very important in your line of work and, and what you do um I just think about it you know even with, especially with this COVID-19 and they're you know we're saying how you know of course we are uh being, we have much higher um, numbers than any other. Right, place. right. And of course, you know that's because of our other, you know, pre-existing conditions and things that we deal with, and then also just the disparity of, um, you know, um, like access to healthcare and stuff. Access, mm-hmm. exactly. That's exactly what I was going to say. So, you know, not having that access um, definitely puts us in a, you know, higher category for these types of um, diseases to attack us. So, um, what are you seeing? in that and um how are you um i guess educating your patients on that when they come in so a lot has changed at the hospital um from even the way the the we come into work like the the workers so we have a certain area we have to park in now there's only one door you can enter and exit in and when you come in you're handed a mask and hand sanitizer like right upon entry they're checking our temperatures and and then we can proceed to venture to the hospital to get to the floor now once we get to the er we have sectioned off it's um 
six rooms, six rooms, and we call it the COVID corner. So anybody that comes in with respiratory symptoms, a fever, shortness of breath or cough, they are placed in those rooms. The people who can't maintain. Now, the people who are stable and are coughing, we normally swab them and discharge them home because we don't want to have these people coming in contact with so many people because that, that's just spreading the virus. So the people who are unstable, we put them in a room and then you have to like, there's like two nurses in that area and you have to fully gown up. So I'm talking face mask, N95. Um, we have like plastic gowns. And then obviously your gloves and stuff. And we don't wear the goggles because we have the face shield. So um, work has been different. Like it's it's almost like I'm anxious every day. Like, and I hate to say it, but getting that assignment is a lot. Um, one, you have people who are hesitant to come in. Like ERs, it's, it's teamwork. But you see people are hesitant to help because at the end of the day, nobody really wants to get sick, but it's our job, you know? And then with no visitation, well, we just started visitation about a week ago. But up until a week ago, there was no visitation. So now not only am I your nurse, but I'm your family. I have to not only provide for you and take care of you, but I'm also here to comfort you because you're nervous. And then the families are calling the phones, but due to like HIPAA violations and things like that, there's only so much we can say on the phone. So I can like, from a patient perspective, I can only imagine how nervous they are. And it's like, one, a lot of people already don't like the hospital. And now I don't like the hospital and I'm here, I'm sick and my family can't come in. So it puts a lot more pressure on the doctors and the nurses um, because that's, it's another role. And we're, we're patient advocates, yes, but being a patient's like family member as well, it, it's a lot. And I found myself like, even during times like this, you know, you try not to get too close. You try to social distance, you try not to touch. But those are the things that we do as nurses that are reassuring to our patients. So when my patients are crying before COVID, like I'm the person, I'll, I'll sit on the bed with you. I'll give you a hug, I'll pat your back, I'll hold your hand. We can talk about it, we can cry about it, we can pray about it. Um, but it's like, you're hesitant during these times. So it's it's been an, a huge adjustment, I will say, a huge adjustment. Wow. I mean, this is heavy stuff coming from, especially like, again, you're just hitting your right, right. mark. Right? So <laughs> it's like, I mean, it, you literally got thrown into the fire like your first year in. So, wow, this is, um, do you feel like, you know, your years of training at, you know, mm-hmm. Stegi and, and at school, did it like prepare you for, for this? I or feel like to, educationally, like, like, yes, I got the book smart that I needed from Tuskegee. However, there's some things you just, you can't learn until you experience. And like, I never course, imagined, like who would have thought my first year of being a nurse, there'd be like a pandemic. Like I, I, I never even thought about working in a pandemic, like ever, it's never crossed my mind. So like to see all this stuff unfold say- is crazy. Right. I was going to say, like, did you guys study? I mean, because I don't know, like, the the level of, you know, of course, the education mm-hmm. that comes with it. But did you guys talk about or, you know, um, study pandemics and, and viruses of this nature? Like, So, yeah, we studied pandemics, but never, like... I don't, I don't, not like this. Like I knew I mean, what, I knew what it was. Like every right, years, I knew what a right? pandemic was, I knew what an <laughs> epidemic was. We learned it, but never like, this is how it, it can affect your job as a nurse. Never in that, in that way. Yeah, man, you know, when you, when you speak about the fact that, you know, as a nurse, you play so many roles, yeah. right? Um, because they, they are fearful. And, and oftentimes, especially in the beginning, I think it's, I think people are becoming a little bit more relaxed now. I don't know whether that's a good right. thing or a bad thing. <laughs> um, but I think that, you know, the initial um, 
onset of this, people were, you know, feeling like when I walk into this emergency room, I'm not yeah, going to come back yeah. out. Like, and, and so that was the scariest thing. And I've heard cases and I don't know any, well, I know of one patient directly. Um, it was my son's grandmother and, um, you know, the fear again, that, you know, her and her husband had been married. I know they've been married for at least 45 wow, yeah. years or something like that. And, um, she got sick. He didn't. Um, but he had to leave his wife yeah. at the hospital. And can you imagine, like, I, I can't imagine what they experienced when you're used to being with someone day in and day out for 40 plus years. This is your, you know, your soulmate. Right, like your other half. And now you have to, exactly, they're a part of who you are and you have to leave them at the hospital. And I think she was in there about maybe seven yeah. days or so. Um, and to your point, you know, she didn't have anyone so she had to rely on the care of the doctors and the nurses to talk to her to pray with her and, and things of that nature and i'm sure the phone calls were limited so wow that that's a lot and then you mentioned about being you know be, working in the er or you know it, it's a mm -hmm. team effort and so it, it it requires everyone being on board everyone being engaged everyone you know having the same goal and so how how challenging is that when every person that's on that team, you know, knows what the knows what the dangers right. are, knows what the you know the possible what the possibilities are, and still being able to come in and give a hundred percent every day, um, and without fearing for their own safety or their own right. lives. And then if you do come in and you're not willing to give your all, then you put your other you know team members mm -hmm. at risk. So. That, that's that's as man, and then like luckily for me i live alone but there's people who have families and i know like there's doctors and nurses who were staying in hotels like they weren't going home because they have husbands and small children like at the beginning of the virus and we didn't know like how is this spread like am i am i risking my family's life by going home so a lot changed luckily i didn't have to like undergo that because i live alone but a lot changed for like people with families as well Okay, yeah, I was going to ask you that. Did mm -hmm. you live alone or, you know, did you have, are you quarantined? Yeah, and all my family's in like South that. Carolina. So I was going home for Mother's Day and my grandmother, she's a breast cancer survivor. She was at my parents' house. So I opted out of going home because I didn't, I didn't want to risk. And that's my thing. Like I even, I social distance as much as, as much as possible too, because I don't want to risk other people. I don't know if I, you know, some people have it and are asymptomatic. I've been around several positive patients so it's like i don't want to put people with like already altered immune systems at risk yeah i think that's really important and it's you know i wish that i mean because you understand that as a healthcare professional you understand that you can be asymptomatic and still give it to someone and so you take the necessary steps and precautions to social distance right. as much as possible and then you have others who are just like I'm sorry, I hate to say it, but completely yeah. reckless um, in the sense of, well, I mean, if I get it, then, you know, I'll be okay because I'm only 25 and mm -hmm. whatever the case is, but they're not thinking about the fact of you. It's, it's not bigger about than you. you. Yeah. It's about the fact. It's bigger than you. And, and you can pass this on to someone who might be 25, but right. a cancer survivor or, or might have, you know, some other exist pre-existing condition that now puts them at risk and puts them in the hospital all because you felt like, you know, right. it's not my problem. I don't have to wear a mask. Or I don't have to socially, socially distance myself. So I just wish that we took more of a position like that. So um, 
I'm not sure if you saw the news because I like I've been following this like religiously to a point where I had yeah. to stop following it because it was it can consume so you yes so overwhelming <laughs> it really can um but I was watching like a lot of the protests and I think it was like in the state of Michigan where they were protesting to the point where they had blocked the like the I guess the highway or the street that would take you to the emergency room and so there were doctors and nurses that were unable to even wow. get to the hospital because of these protesters that were blocking them because they wanted the state to be open back and up. that is so like selfish that the state was that's so selfish yeah there was a nurse i think he was a male nurse um that was on there and he literally like went off like he was on the news cursing and going off like you you don't even understand the level of what you're doing and how it can affect these patients that need right care right now because right. you want to be selfish because right you want to <laughs> like, go to the mall and you want to go shopping like it's selfish yeah Right. And I even try to look at it like from the perspective of I understand that there are people that's out of work, that they're losing money and things of that nature. And I get it. But it's like, at what point are we as a country even to whereas we're willing to sacrifice lives right. for money? Like, because I mean, and, and I really feel like that's what's happening now, essentially. It's like, OK, you know what? We shut down. We did what we needed to do. Um now we're tired of this we're over we're tired of paying unemployment benefits mm-hmm. we're tired of you know um being shut down we got to get back to work we have money to be made this is america this is the capitalistic society and so you know we just gonna have to get back to it and whoever dies dies and i really feel like it, that's, and that's what that's it seems to be i agree here. yeah and i also want to say that i think that it's very selfish of us to do that because they're not considering how the adverse effect this is going to right. have on the population and what it's going to do to you all because it's like you've worked so hard and bust your behinds to get these levels down. Yes, I say that all the time. You know what so what happens when everybody goes outside and then they're back sick? And we're the the, the frontline workers are the ones who are going to be affected because now we have to go double, mo- double time going back and fixing what we were already trying to get a hold of. Absolutely. And you know um i was watching an art i was watching a special um where they were uh, they were highlighting um, a hospital in new york so as you know i'm not sure if you saw the doctor that actually committed suicide like she had yeah she got covid and then she um she recovered and she went back to work and i i I believe if i could say it i would think that she she just was like you know what she probably felt like she was fighting right right battle that's what it that's what that's what it felt like to me when um when she um you know passed away or what have you but then they were talking about like the again the frontline workers that were getting sick and it you know one of the nurses said you know if we get sick or if we die like you right in a world full of trouble (laughs) you know right because then there's no one to take care of you and so again i think that you know we need to kind of revisit how we're opening back up and going back into the world you know going back into the normal way of doing things and not realizing the amount of pressure or the amount of work that is going to put on the healthcare workers when this spike goes because inevitably i believe that yes and i think we people need to we need to get out of thinking when is it going to be back to normal i don't think it'll ever be like it once was we need to get ready for a new normal because even I don't, I personally don't see Corona going away and never coming back. I don't see that happening. So now, and even like 
like now I'm, I'm just so much more cautious about things like when I'm out it's like oh my god like why are you so close to me like can you back up like are you coughing I, I need you <laughs> exactly. to hand sanitize and like do you have on a mask there's even people like who are out and aren't wearing masks and that in itself is like you are taking a risk and there have been studies that show it's it's more helpful when the people with the virus have a mask on, but everybody hasn't been tested. So we don't know who has the virus. So it, that's why I feel like it's important. So let's assume exactly. everyone so has the virus. Yourself because you don't know what you're coming in contact with. Um, so it's going, there's going to be a new, there's going to be a new normal. How that looks exactly, I'm not sure, but I don't see it going back to the way it was before the coronavirus, which is crazy and, and scary to say, but I, that's truly how I feel. Yeah, I believe that as well. It's it's weird because Naye and I were at the mm-hmm. grocery store the other day and we had our mask on and, you know, they've, you know, they've rearranged grocery stores now. So it's like walking one directional right. in the aisles and different things like that. And so when this first happened, right, you know, it freaked me out to go outside and see people yeah. with masks on, right? But yeah. just within the last, I guess, eight, nine weeks that we've been doing this, now, to your point, it's the new normal. So it doesn't it doesn't make me as anxious anymore. I'm more anxious yes. to see someone <laughs> without a mask than if I see mm-hmm. someone with masks. It's like, are you crazy? Why don't you have your mask on? Because to your point, you know, we don't know who has it and who does not have it and then there's people who might have it and don't know they have it and they might be asymptomatic so the best thing to do is for everyone to just wear a mask and I just don't I can't wrap my head around the people who are protesting wearing masks or the people who are protesting saying you know how can you this is against my my against the law for you to not allow me into the store without a mask literally people are caring for you more (laughs) than you can care for yourself Oh, that that was the scary part Um, about for me about like them opening things back up is are people smart enough to make the right decisions themselves? Like when you don't require masks, you see a lot of people without them. When you open the stores back up, you see long, long lines of people waiting, like trying. Everybody's out. Everybody's trying to get out. And that's like the quarantine was very like misfortunate to a lot of people. But I don't feel like us Americans are smart enough to make those right decisions on our own. And that's why, you know, when this was happening, because, so I work for Coca-Cola, okay. a global organization, and so we have, uh, of course, you know, Coca-Cola, we have offices right. everywhere, pretty much all seven continents, right? And so when this happened, of course, you know, our Shanghai and, and, and other offices over there in Asia, you know, they were struck first and, you know, it happened over there first and the onset and things. And, you know, they shared with us like basic principles and basic practices and things that they were doing um, to kind of combat the situation. Um, and I just watched how other nations and other countries and of course, you know, it's different over there because, you know, they're right. they're communist society. So the government dictates everything and so it was mandatory that you wore masks but they had already kind of been in the practice of wearing mm-hmm. masks when they had SARS over there so it really wasn't you know a stretch for them but you just kind of saw the difference in how it was handled over there how you saw them you know um fumigating the streets and how if you came off the airlines you had to go through that um oxidation right. to kind of get you know um sanitized and all of that and I was looking, and I was even looking like when they were showing like the, you know, just still images of the hospitals and the ERs and how they had like their full gear on. And in the beginning, when they were showing us, 
And I was like, you yeah, know, we didn't have any of that. We didn't have any of that going on. And I was like, when are we going to get it? Like, I, I understand that we always want to be the front runner mm-hmm. behind, you know, you know, the leaders, the world leaders on how everything. Yeah. And I was like, but we are behind the eight ball on this. And all of these other countries and nations are handling this way different. And we're trying to ignore it and act like it's not as big as it is, you know, because they did that at first. Oh, it's going to blow over. It's not that big of a deal. And meanwhile, you're seeing people in these other countries that are completely like, literally, yeah. to everything. You're getting the streets. And I was like, and we're not doing anything. And then now you're even. I, I just feel like I get it. We live in the United States of America and it is a place of freedom and all of that. And I appreciate that sometimes, but then there's sometimes where it's like, if you allow us to make a choice and to choose for ourselves, yeah, we're going to make agree. the wrong decisions. And that's what's happening even now. Like we have a choice. The world is opening back up. We have a choice as to whether or not to go. But if we have to make that choice, chances are we're going to go because it's open. Exactly, because you don't have the option. Exactly. Sometimes right. we have to take the option away because if we yep. let them have it, they're going to choose it. All right. So what would you say has been your biggest challenge since you've been on the front line? Hmm. I want to say like overcoming fear and it would be fear of the unknown because this is a virus that we haven't seen in America before. Like I didn't learn about this in school. Um, so I've been learning as I as I've gone and the you know watching the news is scary and then coming to work and seeing COVID patients and sick people is scary um and then even like at the beginning with the PPE where it was like you can get one mask but you're supposed to wear it multiple times um you can't get another one things like that and it's like we know and everybody knows you're not these aren't things that you're supposed to be re-wearing and it was that there was a battle between is it n95 required or is a regular surgical mask required and the cdc came out first and was saying n95s then they came back and said surgical mask and those are two totally like two different coverages um so it's like who do i trust right like, are you guys looking out for the healthcare workers or are you doing what's best for the economy? And, you know, so it was mm. weird. Like, I was almost like scared to go to work. And when I had to go to work, I was like, man, I really hope I'm not in the COVID corner. Like, but then like, you have to be careful with that because you have to protect yourself at all times. Because at one point it was like, oh, if I'm not in COVID corner, I'm fine. We weren't required to wear masks all the time at the beginning. And then we had patients popping up positives who were coming in for things like a broken ankle or a broken foot and it's like now we have to wow. protect the staff all over like ev- now we wear masks all the time and then you get extra protection when you go in COVID but you can't rule out that someone doesn't have it until they're tested and so then it's like dang like so it doesn't matter where I'm at it doesn't matter who I'm taking care of like I really don't know what I'm coming in contact right. with it was it was a scary time I will say and the news was not helping um, very scary and it's it's become the new normal now like I go to work and I expect all of these things like honestly the day I get to walk in work and I don't have to have my fever check I'm, I'm going to be like scared like y'all sure y'all don't want to check it you know <laughs> and sure you don't want to be sure or like, <laughs> right. we, don't have masks. we don't have to wear the mask anymore like uh, I kind of still want to keep my mask on you know it's just it's a lot and it, it's exactly. it was very very scary that I think the most part for me was overcoming the fear it's like we're being 
right we're being reprogrammed almost into how we how we do things like like to your point it's our new normal so let me ask you this you said that the overcoming the fear was the hardest challenge for you so how were you able to overcome the one fear? Praying, what helps you do like that? turning it over to god like even when i when i can't see it i have to trust him and i feel like this quarantine time and being you know it's forced us to be alone and i feel like out of every bad situation you can still get some good and i feel like god has is giving us things that he couldn't give us to a, to the people who are open and listening that he couldn't give us if we were out in the world and, and busy with our daily lives. I found myself praying more, doing more devotions, you know, watching church online, not just Sunday, but throughout the week. Um, it's been a, a refocus, like the change of pace has really changed my life, honestly. Um, I'm, so it's like, I'm grateful for it in a way. And also like venting to my parents. I don't come from a family where like, I'm the only healthcare worker in my family. So it's been big on me making sure they know what and what not to do. We've had several arguments, especially with my siblings who still like, I'm not sick. My friend's not sick. What do you mean? I can't leave. What do you mean? I can't go, go to the gym or what do you mean? I can't go hang out at so-and-so's house. Like we've had several calls where my mom has called me in and like, Courtney, tell them what you're seeing. Tell them why this isn't smart. Um, so the biggest thing is I, I vent to my mother. Me and my mom are very close. We talk a lot. So between her and God, like that's really what's helped me a lot. And I've been working out a lot as well. I work out like every day I'm off now, basically. So I've established a new routine. It's like I had a, like a hard reset on life. Um, and as, as ready as I am for things to get back to as normal as they possibly can, I've gotten a lot out of this situation. Yeah, I can definitely relate to that. I think that um, when all of, you know, with all of this that has happened, and I, and I say it all the time, like my heart definitely goes out to those yes. whose lives yes. have been lost with this first and foremost. Um, and to those who are, you know, have been sick and to those who had to like literally fight for their lives and to those who have recovered, like I'm absolutely grateful and thankful. Um, but aside from that piece of it, um, what I've taken from this is that you you nailed it when you said a hard reset. This has been a hard yeah. reset, I believe, for the world. You know, and I know that everyone's not spiritual. I am. Um, I definitely have, you know, a relationship with my higher power, my Lord and Savior. And I feel like this was a moment where right. God was like, okay, do I have your attention now? Like, all of the ripping and running you've been doing, all of the coming and going, you never have time. You don't have time for me. You don't have right. time to pray. You don't have time mm -hmm. for your family. You don't have time to work out. You don't have time to... Now you have time because I have placed you in isolation. I have placed you in quarantine. And um, right. now like there's no, no excuse but to be still. And, and I think that... Right. And in those moments, to your point, where we are being still, we're able to... If we really tap into it, we can really hear from God you know what it is that he wants to tell us in this moment um you know I've used this time to again to your point I started working out again um I was going to church anyway but now I, I get up every morning and you know right. I'm having my prayer time my meditation time I'm, I'm watching church on Sundays and Wednesdays you know I'm I'm at mm -hmm. home now so I'm cooking more for my family um I've started you know creating things and creating new habits and new routines in my life that I was not able to do before because I was so tired and worn out from my commute every day back and forth to work and all these other things that I gotta go here I gotta do this I have to do that and so you know this has been definitely a time where I've been able to reset to refocus 
um, to check on family members that I may not have talked to before, to make new connections, to, you know, I, I just believe that, you know, there is definitely an ugly side to this, but there's also a beautiful side for it in it too, if we're able to just right. look at it and see it from that perspective. Um, I think that it's really, you know, um, good that you speak to your family um, and, and keep them educated on that because a lot of times, you know, they won't. Right, right. A lot of people don't believe in the news. <laughs> you know, they hear the news and they're like, oh, it's fake. No, no, I hate to say fake. Your right. <laughs> but um um, but you know they don't they don't you have your conspiracy theorists you have those who think that this is not real they've said everything that COVID is not real that it's just a ploy for us to have 5g everything oh my god I, i think i've heard every type of theory about what this is and what's happening and so i appreciate when i can actually speak to people who one yeah are working with this every single day and who are telling you what they're seeing and what's happening like this is real yeah. people are getting sick people are dying this thing is this is not thick okay the bodies that you're seeing you know being tossed into freezers and into right. uh, trailers because it's not a joke yeah. this is real this is really happening it's not a joke um and to those who beat it, I, I love the I love a recovery story. I'm always looking for those recovery stories. I, I ran a story last week on my radio show of a woman, I think she was 102 years old and she had made it through like the Spanish flu back in 1918. And she, I, I think she got wow. the virus and she recovered from that as well at 100 years old. And so those are the stories that I love to hear and that I like to share to show people that there is hope that you can beat this. You know, everyone, right. it's not a death sentence for all you know and there's a lot more recovery stories than yeah. those death stories there's more people that are getting it and who are beating it than those who are you know um passing away to it um all right so let's see um we talked about what you're doing to remain sane which is prayer and i think that prayer is essential for all of us uh-huh. to remain sane prayer and meditation and you know um taking that time out that self-care so what are some things that you do what, what does courtney do when courtney doesn't have to be in the chaos and in the craziness of the hospital what do you do to what are some of your self-care so one of my all-time favorite things is netflix i watch a not a lot a lot of netflix i also am a um, content creator so i have a youtube channel and it's my first and middle name courtney elise ah. and um so i create content um, doing like natural hair, makeup, um, and I do include some nursing and like fashion content as well. Um, besides that, I work out. That's like my favorite stress reliever um, is working out. And lately I've been trying like meatless and like vegan meals. Like when quarantine first started, I was into like cooking. I'm like, oh, I can make everything I get out at home. But I ended up eating like a lot of fried stuff, like a lot of greasy foods. Um, so like lately I've been doing like the whole meatless mm. thing. Um, I still eat meat, but I've been trying a lot of like vegan and vegetarian alternatives and it's been fun. Like I've actually found like some really good things that I like and it's giving me something else to, you know, to distract me without sitting at home, like moping, like, dang, I wish I could go here or go there. So it's giving me like more things to do at home. Right. Yeah. Keeping you occupied, keeping you busy. That was really like, 
you know, I say out of this pandemic came my podcast. Like I had been talking about mm-hmm. doing a podcast for like the last two or three years. And I just kept putting it off or thinking that I had to have all of these, you know, complex and high quality, you know, um, equipment before I started the podcast. And um, I just, I had, I was having a conversation one day with a friend of mine and she's like, you don't even need all of that. Just download this app right, and right, start recording yeah. and you can create your own podcast. And I was like, really? And uh, I'm telling you, like, out of this pandemic came this podcast because mm-hmm. it's not putting how, it on hold. Yeah. <laughs> exactly it would have been on hold so um yeah that's something that definitely keeps me busy and keeps me occupied so all right so we're getting down to the wire here so we already talked about mask on mask off so um mask on on (laughs) every time you leave the house mask on (laughs) (laughs) okay you guys heard it from a ER nurse, okay, from an R. You sure did, yes, ma'am. You sure did. Getting your title correct. <laughs> Mask on, people, please. All right. So, would you say at this point, because we've been in this for a few weeks now, do you think that hospitals, you know, just in general, are getting the proper and enough PPE that they need to do this? Yes, job? I will say at my hospital, like we have the PPE. It's just, whereas normally a mask and like the gowns and the face shields and stuff would just be out. And if you needed it for something, you just grabbed it. Now it's like, man, like there, we have like a, a PPE steward who like walks around and like um, supplies each floor with a certain amount. And like they give it out in like, like small little increments. Um, so it's different, like seeing, it's like, you have to go and ask, like, hey, I need a, I need a mask. And they do have us like, reusing um n95s and they say that like say if i have like a, a positive patient if i have a positive a confirmed positive I'm, I'm sorry like i don't care what anybody is saying i'm trashing it like i'm not reusing it you know you can be mad whatever <laughs> but at the end of the day i really have to do what i can to protect myself um but like so if we're like not coming in contact with positives they have us reusing the mask the um the n95s we get new surgical masks on a daily basis though Okay, so I'm so yeah. Let me ask you about that because I've been keeping the surgical mask. So I have a sur- I have like the disposable mm-hmm. surgical mask. I have a few of those at home, and then I also have right. like a cloth mask that was made for me, and it has like an insertion part that you can yes. stick the surgical mask through, like or. Um, so I've been using both of those, um, but let me ask you, like, if I'm going out, going to the grocery store, things like that. Um, do do you think that I should trash those surgical masks each time I go out to I, the store? For, or for like purposes such as that, I think you should be fine reusing it. I know I have surgical masks here and I have cotton masks here. And like the cotton ones, obviously you can wash. The surgical ones, you can't do that. And I've reworn it. Um, however, like I, eventually I'll get rid of it. But it's hard to come across these masks. You know, it's not like... Yes, they are. Yeah. So I would not recommend trashing it. (laughs) That's just unrealistic, honestly. Um, Especially since you're not going and being in people's faces. You know, really, it's just your own breath. So, um, yeah, I think you should be fine with reusing it. I know I personally reuse mine and I haven't. I've been fine. So. Okay. Um, Let's talk about this for a moment because I see a lot of back and forth on this, especially on social media. Um, cross contamination. People who oh are my gosh. putting on their gloves <laughs> and going in the grocery stores. And 
And so they're using these gloves and um, people are, you know, there's some people that are saying, you know, you're cross-contamination because you're putting these gloves on, you're touching everything in the store, you're touching the keypads um, for, you know, to check out and things like that. And then you're, yeah, going and then you're stores, touching your phone, doing it. you're scratching so, people, I've seen people scratching their hair. <laughs> it's like, what's the point? Take it off. <laughs> Right, so I know one times like I, I kept like a, a in my mm-hmm. pocket like I had a Ziploc bag full of gloves, right? And I think this particular day, I think I had to go to like two or three stores, of course, because there wasn't even a whole lot. Of, right, I couldn't get yeah. a full list at a grocery store to save my life. I haven't been able to do that since the quarantine. So I had to go like to three different stores, and so in my mind, all I kept hearing was cross contamination. So every time I left that store, I took my right. gloves off. I went through like three or four pairs of gloves <laughs> by the time I got home. And then once I got home, I thought about the groceries and I was like, oh my God, like I've touched with the gloves. Groceries yeah. as I would put them in my cart with my gloves. So, so I mean, I'm telling you, those first few weeks, I literally was like having mm-hmm. anxiety attacks about going to the grocery store and then wiping down everything. Because, like you said, you know, this is still so new and there's always new developments every single day. So, you just don't know and you want to be cautious. But then at some point, I was like, you know what? I'm not about to be going to the grocery store right. and wiping everything down every single time I go to the store. Like, this is a bit much. Um, but yeah, so the course contamination. So, yes, um, definitely. Tell us about I, that I personally don't <laughs> see the purpose in the gloves, especially when we're using the gloves and then we're touching our phones to look at our grocery list and then we're going in our wallets and then we're scratching our faces and then we're grabbing the the items off of the shelves um i feel like the most effective way is literally just you know have your bare hands and then you sanitize and then you wash your hands even at the beginning of this pandemic like when all the hand sanitizer was sold out it's like people almost forgot that hot water and soap still works (laughs) like you can still use soap it's not (laughs) the end of the world yes it is important to sanitize like while you're out in the stores and things of that nature. But I don't think people realize sanitizer doesn't work as good as, as we think it does. Right, right. It's hot water. And Nothing beats soap and water. Washing, exactly. And water. <laughs> um, so I think it's important. I don't, especially with the whole gloves thing. It's like if you were to realistically use gloves and use them properly, we'd be running through like five gloves every time we're at the store. And it's like, is it is it worth it? You know? Um so personally, you you definitely are cross contaminating when you're picking things up and then touching one thing and then touching another and you're pushing the buggy. It's just it's a lot. So I think it's easier to just clean your own hands yeah. than it is to keep a pair of gloves clean. No problem. Absolutely. <laughs> Thank you for clearing that up. <laughs> we're gonna right, we're gonna right. Be back on this show for some more health tips and things of that nature. Um, okay, and so um, just couple more questions before I let you go because right. your day off I want you to be able to enjoy what you can um but and I think we kind of touched on this a moment ago but um if you had to give your synopsis of what our new normal looks like um post coronavirus because we we know that this is not something that's going to go away um you know when they're talking about vaccines and different things of that nature but what do you think um our new normal looks, looks like? like us being aware of our daily practices so more hand washing more coughing into tissues and trashing them or coughing into elbows and things of that nature more personal space you know like being out in public and not all being on top of each other um 
it's just like I feel like our new normal is going it has a lot to do with us being more aware of the things that we once took for granted like you know the people who go in the bathroom and, and walk out without washing their hands and it's like I didn't hear any water or the dryer or the paper towel <laughs> roll like you're not slick you know um, it's made us it's oh, going man. we're going to be a lot more aware and I hope that people don't let this happen and then it goes away and then we forget and then we find ourselves back in this same situation so we need to be more aware Absolutely. Um, do you think, because I, I see now like, you know, doctor right. visits where, you know, you can't bring folks with you, um, hair appointments, if you're going to get your hair done, you can't bring people with you, concerts, venues, restaurants, um, you know, do you think that our new normal looks like us, you know, still having that minimum six foot distance? Do you think that concerts are going to, that things are going to go more virtual, that things will become more touchless? And I know that I'm just throwing a bunch of things right. out there, but these are the thoughts that I have as I see how we're acting now, like even for work, like my job has told me pretty much that I don't have to come back to work because right. my job doesn't require me to work in the office. Like there are those who work in labs and have to do testing and things like that. And so they're, you know, figuring out what that looks like for them. But they're like, if your work can be done remotely, then you stay home until the end of the year. And I honestly think, and I saw an article with Google that the CEO pretty much yeah. told his people they might end up working from home forever because their job does not require them to be mm-hmm. in the office. And you have Skype and Teams and Zoom and things like that. So, you know, um, people are afraid right. to have meetings again face to face. So it's like, well, we don't need that. We have, you know, um, we're able to telework and we're able to do these things, you know, electronically or virtually. So um, I don't so know. I feel what, like what do you think? I, um, from a medical right, perspective, right. I see us, we're already, I feel like as a society dependent on technology, um, I see us becoming even more dependent on technology, which is scary because it's almost like we're at a, we're at, it seems like That's we're going to start losing more and more face-to-face and human interaction, you know, like, yes, Skype and all that, it, it gives you a virtual experience, but there's nothing like being in person, you know, um, but I do see us moving towards that. However, I don't, Absolutely. I don't see it being like this forever. Um, I don't think the economy and the government will allow it to be, if that makes sense. I feel like eventually they're, they're going to open things back up. There's going to be concerts. And then there's always those people who are not afraid of the risk, you know, who are going to go regardless. Um, right, exactly. So I feel like oh, yeah, we see that now. back there. <laughs> it's just a matter of like, when, when will that be? Will that be in 2020? Is that, are we pushing 2021? Like that, I don't know. Um, I do see it happening. It's just a matter of when. Okay. And so you you. have been an awesome guest. Um, You have provided us so much information and so much insight, um, just from, like I said, a healthcare perspective. Um, I would definitely like to have you back on the show another time, just to kind of talk. Maybe I can gather questions. You know, a lot of times people have Mm -hmm. questions and they're afraid to answer. They're afraid to ask them. You know, they'll go for doctor visits and- Right, right, yeah. there's no judgment you should be able to ask your doctor whatever you want um or your nurse whatever you want but there's just you know there's still a stigma there and a lot of people a lot oftentimes people are afraid to ask certain questions so maybe we could have you back another time i could maybe gather some questions and just you know ask you and then you can provide us with the answers i just feel like you're really knowledgeable you're really passionate about what you do and you know i'm always looking to partner with women 
um, again to help because at the end of the exactly. day I just feel yeah. like you know we have to help each other like we we're called to help each other and I feel like you know whatever our gifts are whatever our talents are it should be used to like help one another and definitely there are women out here who are um, you know struggling with mm-hmm. or have you know health challenges or issues or things like that they may not even have access right, right. to get to a doctor they may not have insurance or different things like that but they might feel like I got this thing going on and I don't know what it is and I'm afraid to ask so um, just trying to connect those dots and to you know to bridge those gaps is really the purpose and the intent of you know what I do so um, lastly um, I would just say um what is it that you would like to say, um, you know, to the public, to the people, um, from the perspective of a healthcare professional, as a, you know, a, a, a nurse, a woman of color, um, you know, what is it? What would your message be? What would you like for the people to know? And it doesn't necessarily have to be gotcha. about Corona. It can just be like all right. So I would say just um, go for it. Continue to live your life the best way you can. The world is not over. We are still blessed with life every day. Go out, get fresh air. We have now been brought back to things that we got away from. Spending time with our families, uh, going for walks in the neighborhood, you know, exercising at home, getting creative with things like doing like pain and sips at home. And we're back to our roots. We're starting to realize that we don't need all the extra to survive. And I feel like we should use this time to tap into that where we don't really have an option but to. I also recommend stay safe and protect yourself. Do not take this virus for granted. A lot of times we are unable to sympathize or empathize with people until it directly affects us and then sometimes then it's too late so be aware of what's going on wash your hands social distance wear your mask Um, you can still enjoy things but do it safely at the end of the day risking your life to go out or to to go to these certain places that are, are not actually having social distance is it is it really worth your life Ultimately, that's your decision. However, my answer would be no. Um, and also, um, just spend time with you. Refocus, like whatever you believe in. Get back to your roots. I feel like that's the most important thing. Get back to your roots. Get back to you. Put yourself first and get into a self-care routine that you can implement throughout your daily life, even after life is back to normal. Wow, that was an thank amazing summary. Thank you for summary. having me, Courtney it's been Lee. A pleasure. Thank you so much. <laughs> you are amazing, amazing. And please, please, please share with our listeners um, because I know that you mentioned earlier that you do have the YouTube um, and the things that you know, whatever other ventures that you have going on outside. <laughs> thank of, you. I don't know how you do that. So, oh my God, salute to you for that because. I mean, the fact that you are an ER full-time nurse and still manage to do anything outside of that is wonderful. But please share with the listeners because I'm going to tune into your YouTube page because, number one, I'm natural. Well, I just locked my hair recently, but... Um, yeah, so and I'm always looking for like natural hair products and natural styles and yes, and I know yes. you also you makeup. said something else that you do skincare regimens and things like that. Yeah, so I, girl, I um I do all my makeup myself actually. Makeup stuff because- um, but my YouTube channel is Courtney Elise. So my first name's Courtney C O U R T N E Y, and my middle name's Elise E L Y S E. And you can also keep up with me on Instagram at Cause I'm Courtney, like because C A U S E I M, and then my name Courtney. So that's my Instagram platform. And I just do like beauty, natural hair, 
makeup, lifestyle, nursing, fashion, really a lot. Like all things girl, all things women is uh, what I, I tune myself into. Yes, I love it. I love it. I love your energy. I feel like yeah, you're like sitting in the room with too, me. Girl. Like I, I just feel so comfortable talking with you. <laughs> so definitely, um, vibes. Um, I, I would love to have you back on the show. Um, whether it's healthcare, whether it's natural, because you know, again, this is a platform for women. Um, I say this all the time, and no shade to Jada because I love Jada very much. Um, but long before the red table talk, I had an idea like the red table talk and right, then when it came right, out yeah. I was like oh my god that was my idea but <laughs> it kind of just showed exactly. me that I was you know on the right track for what it is and you know um nature zone doesn't say hey no, you know exactly. wonder already has bread so we exactly. can't put bread out so I'm still gonna do my thing <laughs> because you know I have my own lane and you know and, and I kind of do my thing but I just said all of that to say that I would love to have you back on the show um, you know, to discuss some other things, just depending on what the topic was. But you thank were just you a for great, having amazing me. guest, and I thank you so much for your time today. You're you welcome. Well. Have a great day and stay safe, and God bless you. What's up, winners? I hope that you all enjoyed this week's episode of the We Win Presents Winner's Circle podcast. Uh, this was our fourth episode of our New Normal series. And um, again, special thanks to our amazing guest, Courtney Lee, um, who is an RN and BSN out in Houston, saving lives on the front line of this pandemic. Um, she was just an amazing Uh, refreshing, um, insightful, and um, educational um, guest today. And I am truly grateful that she was able to grace the winner's circle with her knowledge, wisdom, and um, sincerity. Um, So if you guys enjoyed this podcast, please continue to share, like, follow us, subscribe to the podcast, and definitely take a moment to share it with your friends. Like us on Facebook and all social media platforms. Um, we are on Instagram as we underscore win underscore LLC. Um, we are also on Facebook, uh, we win LLC. And we are on Twitter at we win 2018. Um, if you would like to get in touch with myself, um, you can reach me at www.womanempoweredwin.com. I would love to hear from you. I'd love to hear your feedback. Thank you so much for your support. Thank you for listening Um, and just continue to check in with us as we do our best to uplift, encourage, and inspire you all to live purpose-driven lives. God bless.